0: You will notice that every episode of Monkeys Took My Jetpack contains an explicit tag, meaning there may be language which would be unsuitable for work or for children. This time, we mean it. You've been warned. Monkeys
1: Took
0: My Jetpack Good morning, good evening, or good afternoon, and thank you for downloading Monkeys Took My Jetpack number 53. This is a rather pivotal issue because in this issue you get to meet our new player. We had a new player join us. Thunderstep is his name, and he is going to, in this session, create characters for not one but two games, the two games we've been playing, Dungeon World and Dresden Files. And really, there's not that much else to say, because there's no cast really in this issue, it's just us discussing his characters and all that kind of stuff, so we'll just keep these intro remarks very short. I will say that we kind of took liberties with names this time around. And I don't mean character names, I mean real names. So, don't be surprised when you hear... In fact, the opening joke is that Thunderstep and I both have the same first name, Eric. But we spell it differently, so we have some fun about that. But I don't think there's, you know, grounds for identity theft or anything here. So, I just left it alone. I I tried to fix it wherever I could, but there were points where you just... There was nothing to be done. So, I left it. Anyway... Without further ado, grab a cup, bottle, glass, or can of your favorite beverage. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Monkeys took my jetpack. Number 53. Rolling Thunder. Eric, hello.
2: Hello. Feels weird saying that,
0: because as common as, and yet wonderful, In taste. The name Eric is. I I have not met very many who I converse with on a regular basis, so it still feels weird saying, Eric, hello. I feel like I'm talking to myself.
3: You realize I am still going to give you shit that you spell your name the sissy French way. Hey, I blame my parents.
4: Okay.
2: (laughs) You guys should both drop the last last (laughs) name. I prefer the K.
4: (laughs) Why don't you both drop the last letter and then change it for Q?
2: Give it like a CH. Be it real. Teutonic. Actually, oh, that'd I be pretty good. met right. somebody,
4: spelled their name A-R-Y-K. That's uh,
2: just showing off. <laughs> yeah. You just want
4: to stab those people in the eye.
2: <laughs> was it the 90s? I bet it was the 90s, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. That's got the extraneous Y and the extraneous K. That sounds like the 90s.
3: Yeah, I plead the fifth. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> it was in high school. There you go.
4: I um, needed the money.
2: <laughs> it was cool and I was
4: hungry. So, gentlemen... The Maybe question you know, on the table is, thing. what are we going to do
2: today? Well, I came in expecting to run Dungeon World. Now I own Wild West Cinema.
0: There you go. Yeah, it's good. It's a good game. I really wish they would do more That's with it because one kind
2: of a dozen Western games I now own and have not played.
0: Well, this will change because I think I will be ready to run it. If we don't run Dresden next week, I would like to run that. There, I'm committing myself. I'm having myself committed.
2: That lends to another segue into the continuing of Dresden as we all plan. We need to figure out how best to integrate new Eric. Thunder. Thunder. Thunder, 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 thunder steps. I'm sure you've (laughs) never heard that
0: before. Oh yeah. Okay. I got it out of my system. I will never do it again.
2: I'd like to believe that.
0: (laughs) No, I believe that you believe that. (laughs) (laughs) So it sounds like then
4: we're probably going to do a bit of character generation.
3: Yeah. I think we're going to have to.
4: (laughs) No big deal, dude. Since you came prepared for dungeon world, And also that's easy, especially for me who won't have to do any work. We do character generation for that.
2: Yeah, that's easy enough and it shouldn't take terribly long. Okay.
4: And then maybe if we feel like it, we can all kind of work together to help create a character for Dresden. And by work together, Thunder, I mean, you know, how you like you tie stuff in with everybody else. Yes. And do some brainstorming and stuff. You know, maybe we can do some of that. I don't feel like we have to get the character done, but getting the general ideas and stuff is totally enough for me to work it into the story and then. Probably we could bring in um, next story, even if the character ain't completely finished yet. Sounds good to me. And it seems to me like it's one of those where you could pretty easily make a character as you go along. I've run God
2: Bulls. Oh, they got bulbs. specific rules for doing that, yeah. At least in Spirit's Century they did. Awesome. Thunder, you said you have the Dresden book? Yes, I do. Excellent. That does make that easier. So Dungeon World, I don't know how familiar you are with it conceptually or anything. I got to read a little bit of it, but didn't get too far in yet. It's old school style, old red box feel D&D. Okay. So you're traveling the world, fighting monsters, having adventures. Uh, It's that kind of feel, but the mechanics use kind of the new style gamey story rules. You've got the basic classes that we all grew up knowing and loving. The difference being that there are not a bunch of fighters or a bunch of wizards in the world. You are... The ranger. You are the bard. You're the archetype for them. If you're a wizard, there might be other people in the world that can do magic. They might even be called wizards by the ignorant peasants, but they do not necessarily do things the same way you do. And that kind of informs how the rest of the classes work, too. I mean, there are people who might be able to hunt track and are friendly with animals, but they are not a ranger. That's you. The basic way of mechanics work is you'll roll 2d6, you'll add some other numbers to that, based on a stat modifier usually. If you get a 10 or higher, that's a full success. You get what you wanted, what you intended, free and clear. If you get a 7 to 9, that's a partial success, which means you get what you want, but at cost or uh, complications or just partiality. Mm -hmm. And that's basically how it works. On the front page of that character sheet there, you got the basic moves, which tell you how to do things. The way it works is you'll just tell me what your characters are doing, Occasionally it'll do something that'll trigger a move. That's when you roll some dice and see what happens. I will not roll dice except occasionally for damage for monsters. So everything is on the player side. And it moves really swimmingly. It does indeed, I have to say. Oh, I love it. I absolutely love it. And the more I play it, the more I'm like, this does everything I want to D&D to do. And the way the monsters scale, the monsters are basically as hard as I want to make them. Without changing any stats, I could make a first level kobold as deadly as a dragon and vice versa. Nice. But if sure. I want to add in a bunch of mind flayers and some dro and you're still only guys second level, I can do that. So there's a lot of stuff I never got to use in my old D&D days that I can use now. Mm-hmm. All right, so anyway, character creation is pretty easy. It goes through a couple different, a number of steps. Okay. It'll guide you through it. Right now, we've got a paladin and a wizard.
1: Okay. The other ones
2: are the classic, you got your bard, and all of the characters are pretty equally badass. Bard, cleric, druid is notable because they do not cast spells, but they are the shape-shifting animists. They have connections to the natural spirits and all that, but they don't actually cast any spells. Cleric and Wizard are the only ones that are spellcasters. Bider, Paladin, like so we had. Ranger has all the fun archery stuff as well as animal friendships. Thief, good of poisons and thieving. And uh Wizard. I'm trying to avoid Or you could just play a bricklayer. Why?
4: Why avoid the cleric? Well I mean apart from not wanting to get molested. Oh,
2: snap. Wow. Damn. Wow. wow.
4: No. That was bad. No, Thank you. um, I'm the faculty advisor for
3: a gaming group on the campus I teach at, mm-hmm. and I got roped into playing Pathfinder with them. I don't mind Pathfinder, but I like Pathfinder, nobody played a healer. Nobody. Ah, ah. So well, the, the problem is that I'm playing this dwarven cleric, and
2: yes, I can understand you don't want to play another cleric. Yeah, got your cleric covered. <laughs> oh god, yeah. You already have a wizard. I was looking at the druid there. Druids are shape-shifting utility machines. They're pretty cool because they can transform into any animal that's native to the region they pick. Oh, wow. And they get... The basically... lightless depths of the abyss. Yep, that's wonderful. They are basically the all-purpose animal. They can do just about anything. They're pretty cool.
4: Wow. That looks good. I think it will definitely do that.
2: All right. So you so got... A
4: druid that was raised in your grandmother's house so you can turn into any one of 50
0: variety of house cats. Or a druid who is raised by monkeys, because everything's better with monkeys, especially when there are jetpacks involved. Well, haven't you always
2: wanted a monkey? I have. Well, if I had a million dollars.
0: for mine. There's a Jonathan going. Colton
2: song in here just waiting to get out. Yeah. But druid. Most definitely. Druid. So the first thing you'll choose there is what race you're going to be, elf, human, or halfling. Okay. Uh, they get some benefits there. Elf will always be, uh, in addition to your other attunements, you'll always yeah. consider the great forest as part of your land.
0: Okay. Can't play a Dwarf and Druid? No.
2: Keep in mind, this game is infinitely hackable, and there's all sorts of ways. If you want to play a Dwarf and Druid, we could probably figure something out.
3: What was a way, and somebody explained it, you have the noob, the power gamer, the metagamer, and then the weirdo. I'm the weirdo. I'm the one that usually tries to find the weirdest possible race. Not for power leveling or anything like that, but just in the sheer role-playing challenge. Yeah. So what do you got so far,
0: Humans. Oh, uh, both humans.
3: Both humans. Yep. Mm -hmm. Freaking pink-skinned bastards. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that's my horde side coming out.
2: (laughs) I'd like to try an elf. All right, so uh, yeah, just mark off elf there. Then you got a list of names up there, including the elf names, that you can choose from. If the thought of picking a name from a pre-generated list is morally offensive to you... Get over it. I can... (laughs) How do you really feel? So choose elf. a name, and then you'll choose your look, picking from those options to the right of that.
4: Wow.
2: <laughs> How about Bob? Is Bob an
4: okay name?
3: <laughs> yes, I am Bob the Elf. Yes.
2: The reason I have names as a list is to avoid that kind of thing.
3: Actually, if I could go with Palaquin, That would be fine. Palaquin and the Paladin.
0: Oh. Okay. Elf. Soldier of Fortune is an elf called... Hello queen, lo queen.
4: Oh, will travel reads the card of an <laughs> elf.
3: What's a furry hood?
2: That's basically your headgear or your headlamp. It's a gangster hood, who looks like an ocelot. This... I guess so.
0: <laughs> or braided hair. I was adopted by kindly ocelots. Seriously, <laughs> <laughs> really, my family abandoned me and I was raised by ocelots.
4: <laughs> Which makes him in the eyes of the law an
0: ocelot. Yeah. Uh, Guys like ocelots, ocelot, ocelots.
1: ocelots. <laughs> all right, here we okay, go.
2: Lots of lots of, of
1: well, <laughs> all right, so you got right. the
2: stats there assigned there the mm-hmm. 16, the 15,
1: the
2: 13, the 12, the 9, oh, and the 8. So and in parentheses there are the uh, modifiers. Okay. Go ahead and plug those in where you will. We got the number and then the spot for the modifiers underneath. Don't worry about the weak, shaky, sick, and all that. That's conditions that you may or may not get throughout your adventuring life. For a druid, wisdom is going to be their big one. Their magic is based off of wisdom. And then, basically, the other ones are going to be important, depending on if you make them important. Okay. Strength is going to help you fight. Dexterity is going to help you avoid injury when you're trying to duck and cover. Uh, And also help you with range combat. Con is going to improve your hit points. Intelligence is going to let you figure out what kind of lore and bits you know. Wisdom is going to be for perception and sort of things. And then charisma is going to help you parlay talk to people. Alright, I got the number set. Alright. What do you
3: got there? Just give me an idea. Alright, strength of 9, dexterity of 16, constitution of 13, intelligence of (laughs) 8, wisdom of 15, and then
2: charisma of 12. Every level you go up, you'll get to add one to those. Okay. It will change. Uh, Your damage there is a d6. Anytime you attack with whatever weapon, you're going to do a d6. Strength does not modify that. Okay. Other powers might. Uh, Your armor is going to be based on what armor you're wearing. We'll get to that. Your hit points there mm-hmm. is 6 plus your actual constitution score, not your modifier.
3: Oh, okay. So 19.
2: Okay. That does not go up unless you raise your constitution. If you raise your constitution, then it will go up by 1 along with the constitution. Gotcha. Uh, but generally, that will stay as it is. All right. Uh, you got your three choices of alignment there. The little options under the alignments there are basically at the end of every session, every adventure, we go through and figure out experience points. We ask you, have you done this? Okay. If you say, well, yes, I have done this, then you get extra experience. So say if you choose chaotic and we ask, have you uh, destroyed a symbol of civilization? You're like, oh, yeah, I burnt that church. I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's extra XP for you. Okay.
1: So, so uh, saying- we
2: have alignment right now as lawful for the paladin and what was it, neutral for the wizard?
4: Yeah, Neutral. I'm more interested in, like, secrets of knowledge and power than anything else, really.
2: And the Paladin is all Judge Dredd, where it's like, law!
4: I am the law!
2: I'm actually no going to do neutral. Heretics.
3: I'm going to do... What makes a man turn neutral? Uh, <laughs> Tell
2: my wife <laughs> Apathy, i said, my like,
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> All I know is my gut says maybe.
3: Yeah. I, I will do neutral.
1: Okay.
2: All right. Ooh. It shows uh, your race option. is elf. So basically... Uh, the sap of the elder trees flow within you. In addition to any other attunements, the great forest is always considered your land. Okay. We'll save bonds for last. Okay. Studied essence. Basically, when you spend time in contemplation of an animal spirit, you may add its species to those you can assume while shape-shifting. So you're going to start with a whole environment full of animals you can shape-shift into. But if you ran into some other animal later on, you spend some time contemplating its animal spirit, which we will decide in play mostly by you what that means and entails. Okay. Then you can add that to your list. So moving awesome. over to Born of the... That segues nicely into Born of the Soil. Okay. Uh, you learned your magic in a place whose spirits are strong and ancient and they've marked you as one of their own. No matter where you go, they live within you and allow you to take their shape. Choose one of the following. It is the land to which you are tuned. When shape-shifting, you may take the shape of any animal who might live in your land. You automatically get the Great Forest because you're an elf. Now you've yep. got some other options there too. The world right now is not totally defined, so if you choose a land there, then, well, by gosh, I guess there is that land relatively nearby to where we're gaming.
3: Okay. I'm gravitating toward the Whispering Plains. Yeah. I like the idea of changing into a buffalo and ramming the hell out of something. We had a lot
2: of use buffalo and elephants. In the game we played, we had someone from Whispering Plains. Elephant got a lot of use. (laughs) 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 Okay. Buffalo are awesome. Oh, yeah. We use the buffalo, too. All right, so the Great Force and the Whispering Plains. Okay, so I guess the plains are somewhere nearby where you guys are. Good farmland. It's good farmland. Oh,
4: the White Plains, where once the Dre Beast roamed.
2: That's right, hence where your armor came from. Hence there my armor, yeah. And see, it's already coming together. Oh, now that we actually have an elf in group, I'll run this by you. My initial idea for the elves is that their homeland has been overrun by the orcish hordes, and they are now wandering nomads with no homeland, till they can drive out the invaders from their lands and return uh, All right. Uh, so, I'm, if you think that's cool, we'll keep it. If you've got some other idea for elves, since you're the elf player, there, that's
3: perfectly cool. I'm picturing Pallequin now more of a wild child, somebody who, well, probably when the evacuation happened, maybe like a child who got lost in the woods, and the woods instead of killing it, adopted
2: it. There you go. Awesome. Yeah. Like right now, I got the elves. Basically, they're basically like fantasy Israelis. They're like, we will retake our lands.
3: Well, oh, I'm betting Pallequin doesn't even know about it. He's fine. <laughs> take your land. I'm sticking to the woods. Ah, uh, might be. <laughs> cool. Go ahead, go on your holy war. Just stay off the frickin'
2: land. Yes! Alright, so you've got the Great Force and the Whispering Plains, so choose a tell. It's a physical attribute that marks you as born of the soil that reflects the spirit of your land. Maybe an animal feature, like antlers or leopard spots, or something more general, like hair-like leaves or eyes of glittering crystal. Uh, Your tell will keep in whatever shape you take. Antlers. That just sounds badass. (laughs) Uh, Like like firely antelope antlers, or uh, what kind of Antlers. Um a buck. Buck. all
3: right. Maybe stag would be a better He goes I was okay, he goes for the cheapy antlers. Just a buck. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. you're so so like ant- all weak.
2: Cool. So you'll have those whatever form you take, including elf. Okay. Horns of the white stag. There you go. Starting to look very World of Warcraft in this druid. Sorry. No, that's alright. Nothing wrong with that. It's a fun game. Oh, I love World. I played a lot of World of Warcraft. Uh by nature sustained, you don't need to eat or drink. When a move tells you to mark up a ration, just ignore it. That's cool. Spirit Tongue. The grunts, barks, chirps, and calls of the creatures of the wild are as language to you. You can understand any animal native to your land or akin to one whose essence you have studied. So you can talk to any number of forest or plain critters. Yep, you are Dr. Dolittle. Okay, Shapeshifter. Now, here's the big move. This is the one and requires a little bit of parsing. So when you call upon the spirits to change your shape, you'll roll plus your wisdom modifier. Okay. On a 10 or more, you'll hold 3. On a seven and nine, you'll hold two. On a mist, you'll hold one. And I also get to luck with you in bit. So but you've got hold. You're holding points, basically. When you shapeshift, then, you'll take the physical form of whatever species you choose. All your possessions will meld into a perfect copy of your form. You'll have the innate abilities like claws, wings, and all that. Basically, what you'll do, then, is you'll choose a couple of moves. Moves are things that you can do as an animal. Usually, what'll happen is I'll let you choose one, uh, or you'll tell me what your intent is with that animal form. Okay. I will give you two more. So generally, you'll come out with three different moves that you can use. For instance, you chose to transform into a bird. You could have fly away, would be a move. Spot things from a distance. If you're like a hawk, it would be a move. And then maybe snatch with your claws would be another one. Okay. What you can do then is those points that you're holding, you can spend those one for one to execute a move, and you do it without even having to roll. So, for instance, if you transformed into a bear, okay, took one of your moves is rip them apart. <laughs> Then to move, guess what? You just rip them apart. Assuming that it's possible in fiction. If you're going up against a iron golem or something, and a bear could not conceivably rip apart five tons of solid iron, well, then that's not going to necessarily go off. But going up against Joe Bandit yeah, or uh, yep. the Orc Chief, <clears throat> guess what? That bear has just ripped him apart. Yep. <laughs> so that's how Shapeshifter works. You can basically use it as much as you want. However, uh, you know, if you fail a roll... Failing a roll in the system does not necessarily mean failure, but it does generally mean that bad or interesting things can happen. Anytime you make a roll, there's an innate danger. Oh, yeah. So while you uh, can make that shapeshift roll as much as you want, eventually you're going to botch a roll and then you're at my whim. (laughs) All right, so those are the moves to start with. Uh, On the next page there, they've got a list of gear. An example of some common animal moves, just to give you an idea, too. Nice. Underneath there is advanced moves. Each time you level up, you'll get to choose one of those advanced moves. Don't need to worry about it now, but it might be good to look at at your leisure to figure out where you're going to go. You'll get experience at the end of each adventure as we go through and ask what we've learned about the world, what you've succeeded. You get experience points also for playing up to your alignment. You also get experience points every time you fail a roll. Oh. So, if you make a roll, yay, you've done what you've wanted. If you fail a roll, boo, you haven't done what you wanted, but you get experience points for it. You're learning. Yes. Okay. So uh, even failures, not bad. Your gear is what you're starting with there. Your load right now is six plus your strength modifier. That is how much weight you can carry before you start getting encumbered. Okay. All your items there have a certain amount of weight. You got your defenses you get to choose. You can have hide armor and a wooden shield or one of them or both of them. Probably just the hide armor. Also got your armaments you can choose there: a shillelagh, staff, or spear. One, two, or all three of those, depending if you like. So fight armor, check. Why the hell does a shillelagh weigh more than a staff? It's a big, thick. It's got that gnarled thing on the top. Too. I have a shillelagh. You don't have a big, heavy one that you can use to block orcs with. Well, uh, okay, I'll give I'll you
3: that. I'm
0: not touching this. <laughs>
3: Alright, I, I guess it would just be making it worse saying that it was my grandfather's. Yeah, probably. Was. <laughs>
4: okay, okay. So I've only ever seen them in role-playing books or at bullshit ren fair, So do they actually have that big gnarled thing up on the top that you always see? Or all those what? cartoons I've seen had them. Yeah. That's all I know about Chilelais, other than that it's really fun to say.
3: Not the one that I have. The one that I have was cedar. It is cedar.
4: Mm-hmm. I'm talking about was. It does have a more bulbous... No, it was cedar once, and then it changed.
3: Well, the thing is that it almost looks like a snake.
4: Okay, cool. So
3: you do have one end that's a little bit more bulbous, but it's not like a huge knotted end. Mm -hmm. And all of it is very, very smooth. But definitely one end of it is for cracking somebody upside the head. Awesome. I'm
2: looking at at Google images of it now, and yeah, all of these look like dapper canes, but then they also look like handed properly with totally uh, busted skulls. Yeah. The awesome. Irish way.
3: So you have one end that's for cracking somebody upside the head, but the other end, the one of my grandfather's, it has more of a pointed end to it. Mm-hmm. Not sharp, but the way you explained it to me is like, all right, one end is if you run across a snake in your path, you can just jam into it. And the other end is if someone pisses you off, you can just crack.
4: It's for so- those two-legged snakes.
3: Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think I'm going to go with a shillelagh now. I'm just,
2: I can't say no to that. The <laughs> adventuring gear. So adventuring gear, basically what that is, is uh, you've got five uses on that. and Those are basically blank slots that you can use. You're carrying your adventuring gear and say, I need 50 feet of hemp rope. You mark off one of your uses of adventuring gear, and by God, you've got 50 feet of hemp rope. Or you need chalk or a torch or something like that. Okay. So it's an abstracted amount of adventuring gear. Poultices and herbs will help you. I believe that is for uh, curing poisons. And halfling pipe leaf actually helps you with your parlay rolls. Helps you uh, talk to people more and better. You get to choose one of those. And this is all your starting gear. You can, as uh, it presents itself, change and increase what you're carrying around with you. Okay.
3: Now, how many uses of the pipe leaf do you get? Just I one or?
2: Six uses and use two uses to take a plus one forward. So three uses. Then us your you get plus one forward when you parlay with someone using the halfling pipe leaf.
3: I think I'll just go with the adventuring gear.
2: Okay. Adventuring gear is not a bad one to start with. Never not useful. All right. Now we have bonds. Bonds are are where the game really starts to come together. They really help build up the characters and all that. They are the connections you have with people. When you're using an aid move, when you're trying to help someone out, you'll use the number of bonds you have with people as the dice modifier. Bonds are also a way to create experience points at the end of every adventure. We'll see if one of your bonds has resolved with someone. If they okay. have, then you mark experience points and you rewrite a bond. Do you guys have your characters up, the other guys? I
0: hey. can. Don't sound so excited by it, dude. I didn't mean anything by that. I just, I don't have. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? I am sick of your continuous apathy, all right? <laughs> really? Because I don't really care one way or the other. <laughs> <laughs> <Ta-da-da-da-da-da>. <laughs> okay,
1: what
0: the
4: hell Ladies and gentlemen, doing? we'll be here all week. You've been warned.
0: <laughs> oh if, the if they're listening if they don't know by now then
3: I <laughs> that was the druid saying try the veal <laughs>
4: <laughs> no no seriously like as a druid i can tell you it really is free range it's Good, yeah. free range veal
2: um how does that work exactly i mean bonds are typically between pcs because we only had two to start with i had them each fill in one bond with Got each other and then the other bonds were with NPCs they created.
4: Yeah, we had to do a little
2: self-bondage. Yeah. The, um...
4: Stones I don't Rick know work how work you get the other handcuffs. <laughs> that's <laughs> uh, uh,
0: Yes. Sorry. Guys <laughs> <Yes. laughs> for it. Are we going to be making a new bond?
2: Not yet. I think what I'm going to sounds... do... No, I, I like the saying...
0: original bond.
2: I think what we're going to do is I'm going to introduce Peliquin. I'm going to have you make a bond with an NPC, which will help, again, grow the world. Once you meet these guys, then we'll start filling in the other bonds between them and you and you and them and all that. Okay, so here's how the background of the world has shaken out so far, and it's really fairly nebulous still, and it grows as we play. So there was this great human empire that lasted about, uh, I want to say, like 500 years. Um Silver Empire. The Silver Empire. Humans ran the show. Everything was fine and dandy. But then, like all empires do, it kind of grew decadent and corrupt. The last empress, whose name was... Salandra. Empress Salandra, the last witch queen of the Silver Empire. She, uh, in a magical experiment, assisted by her former apprentice, who is played by Al here. Zeno. know? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, he warned against it, as I recall. But she uh, <laughs> Former apprentice accidentally, or perhaps intentionally, summoned up the Tarasque, which then oh. rampaged across the world and cast it into the Dark ages, destroying human civilization, casting down the empire, cracking us. And that happened only about a hundred years ago. The empress died, presumably. The Tarasque was defeated by a young girl known as the girl hero. She stood before the Tarasque and her goodness of heart and purity cast it back into the abyss. That was about 100 years ago, and now the human civilization is trying to rebuild and redig itself, so it's kind of got like a post-Fall of Rome feel to it. Uh The Queen Salandra has supposedly risen up again as the Ashen Queen, ruling in her former city, where she bathes in the ashes of the best and most beautiful to retain her youth and beauty. She's got a Queen – she's got a Elizabeth Bathory thing. A little Elizabeth Bathory thing, yes. Zeno. One of her wizards on the Council of Twelve, after having his essence scattered about for a hundred years, has drawn himself back together, greatly reduced in power. That is Al's character. So he mm-hmm. is trying to redeem Alessandra and or rebuild the Empire. Meanwhile,
3: I was just going to ask if he was worried about thetans or anything like that.
2: <laughs> Space ghosts <laughs> cause all evil. Well, it it sounded like Xeno. crystals Xeno. <laughs> Xeno. Okay.
4: Yeah. I did not strap a bunch of people to a volcano and then ram Magic 747 into it.
2: Meanwhile, on the other side, we've got Florian, the Paladin. He belongs to the Order of Unity. The Order of Unity was the elite peacekeeping force in the old Empire making sure everything ran properly. and now, Was out. it a
3: religious-based empire, magic-based empire, or was it just an empire?
2: It was mostly an empire, but the uh, last several emperors were wizards or magic users of some sort. Okay. But it was not a theocracy of any means. What I'm imagining is most of the human deities are deified heroes. Okay. Since the fall of the empire, man has kind of turned their back on the gods and religion and everything, and a lot of them falling into the old pagan and monstrous beliefs, which, of course, doesn't sit well with the paladin. Mm. But he's more of a paladin of the state and of law and order. His order was now the survivors because it's been 100 years. The only original member was a dwarf named Roguespear. Because he's a dwarf, he's been around for 100 odd years. So he's the only last remaining original member. He's been recruiting and training people like Eric's character, who is a human, Florian, to try and rebuild again the Fallen Empire, reestablish the glories of the old days, Rogue Spear, however, has, for some reason or other forsaken his vows and gone off doing something. The first mission was trying to track him down and find out what happened to him. So anyway, that's the kind of background that we're getting into. And they're kind of out in the western hinterlands on the other side of the mountains. So over on the mountains on the east, on the other side of them is the old empire. Mm -hmm. The Titans are out in the western hinterlands where the adventure is taking place. Kind of like post-Fall of Rome, Britannia. That's kind of how I'm picturing it. Looking for this rogue... This missing dwarf mentor of his. So yeah, you've got basically the fall of a great empire. It's kind of dark ages feel. The general genre feel I'm trying to go for is kind of a Dragon Age or Conan type.
3: The Hyperborea and
2: yeah, the world's not ostensibly evil, but it's certainly gray and doesn't give a damn about you. Okay. And things used to be better, but then people messed it up.
3: People done effed it up. Yep. Goddamn night elves. Oh, sorry. Uh...
2: Monsters have well, come I back. I'm you know, the... dancing night elves. <laughs> Orcs and... love Dancing Night Elves. Monsters that once laid low for hundreds of years have come back in force and all that. To say nothing about just basic human evil. Not my woods. Your woods. (laughs) All right. So that's the kind of world you're coming into here. You got your bonds there. All right. You'll need to fill those with names. Uh, At this point, if you want to fill one or more of them with NPCs that you create, that would be all right. Okay.
3: So I was looking at the last one where it has blank has tasted my blood and I theirs. We are bound by it. Yes. Does that, that have
4: to an awesome bond?
3: Yeah. Does that have to be a humanoid NPC? No. Cause I was thinking like a pack of dire wolves, the alpha.
2: <laughs> oh,
1: that's yes.
0: Yeah, that is awesome.
2: That works really well because <laughs> the land they're in right now, back in times of old was run by the uh, wolf clan out where they are right now. A lot of former Barbarian tribes, which were eventually absorbed into the Empire, that's when they took the Barbarian tribes and civilized them, often at the point of a sword. Again, Rome. The Wolf Clan, and they all had their totem animals. The Wolf Clan was the one that ran this part of Ares. In fact, they're in a cairn of the Wolf Clan right now, or a burial mound. So, yes, that works quite well. Oh, now I know how to get you in. Oh, my goodness. Okay.
3: (laughs) Uh, uh, Black Pad. That's the name of the Alpha.
2: Black Pad, the Alpha. Hey, Paloquin, there are some people poking around in the uh, Cairn of the Wolf. Great Wolf Spirit told me about it. You should probably go check that out. Mm-hmm. That uh, works beautifully. Oh, this game <laughs> is like magic. This game and its ilk are really neat because you get a bunch of weird ideas, and then after a couple of questions, everything kind of shakes out, and it's like magic.
4: Yeah. It's wonderful. Cool. I like watching stuff come
2: together. Yeah, it's
4: Emergent. Emergent? Emergent. <laughs> yes.
2: It's emergent ah. storytelling. I love it. All right. Well... We've got a little more than an hour here. If we're doing Dresden next week... We should probably get his character. Probably get at least a head start. Otherwise, That's... if we can try and get it done over emails throughout the week, if that is possible. Which, to be honest, is mostly going to be on Thunderstep and Al. Yeah,
4: that works for me. Yeah, but we I should all like be... I mean, yeah, we should all be together, fear. but I
2: mean, the lion's share is going to be on them. Oh, I mean, we... the nice thing is... You know, uh, if you guys are actually there, you can provide input. Yeah, I would like to provide input, but I mean, it's...
0: I have a selfish reason for wanting to do the Dresden thing. It's because that way I can just post this as a character gen episode and not have to try and splice the dungeon world stuff out. That
2: is also good. All well, there you go. Kind of crap. Okay. Yeah.
0: There Works for me. And also it gets a head start on
2: how he's going to fit. Okay, great. And that was my argument. Should so I go right. get my
0: books or
4: not worry about it right I don't now? think you really need them. If we end up needing them, we can go get them. But what I'm looking at here is the important stuff, which is ideas. Okay. You know, the character
2: concept and stuff. The nice thing is that between Chris's character, Logan, and my character, Ezra, at least in their background and stat-wise, we're both built that we know people. We've got mm-hmm. contacts. I don't know if David does or not. I honestly can't remember how he is on contacts and knowing people. I'm just saying we have a pretty good in on like, oh, oh, there's a big old evil alien entity from beyond time and space. <laughs> I know just the guy. I know a him. guy. I don't know why I didn't call him sooner.
1: <laughs> That's
2: the guy, or or whatever, yeah, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we're infiltrating a party of rich snobs. Oh, just... god.
4: <laughs> yeah, both those work, and there's all kinds of ways to bring yeah. in pretty much Honestly, anything. We've got really. two
2: characters that are pretty good on contacts.
4: Absolutely. So, okay. man, it's Dresden. You know Dresden. What do you feel yep. like playing?
2: Uh what? We are doing it during the uh, war with the Red Court, correct? I...
4: Yeah, oh, this I is before my... the events of Turncoat. Have have Uh, we read all the
2: books, everyone here?
4: No. And if you haven't, it doesn't really matter. It's during the war with the Red Court. Things are really ramping up now. We're pretty much at the height of the war with the Red Court.
2: So the fit is at the sham? Yes. Okay. Yeah, where they're hiring just about anyone to be a uh, warden, point, point, (laughs) me, me. (laughs) (laughs) And we're in Southern California? Central California, Central California, okay.
3: Okay, so – could I
4: ask what exactly we have in the party? Good idea. Yeah,
2: sure, man. We, <laughs> in fact, why don't
4: you guys lay it out for me?
2: Ezra. Uh, Ezra. Ezra is a uh, wizard of the White Court. He's originally from the Appalachians of Kentucky and has moved out here. Not really a slacker a hippie, but just kind of hangs out with those type of folk. The original concept was Bohemian Wizard. Hangs out in kind of like a group home full of all the uh, slackers and hippies, I guess that actually would be the way <laughs> to call them. yeah. He's a pretty confident wizard, dealing mostly in earth magic, with a lot of, like, Appalachian hoodoo flavored into it. He has recently been, let's not say drafted, but conscripted. Deputized. Deputized by the wardens, as basically he is now a deputy warden. He doesn't get the sword and the cool cloak or anything, he's just got all the responsibility.
3: (laughs) All (laughs) All the
2: responsibility and none of the power. Yep. (laughs) I have been recently... Not really enthralled or bonded, but somehow influenced or connected with a group of ocean-based fae, like Selkies and underwater folk. I think we
4: could put it like, the day may come when I will ask a favor of you. That kind of thing, yes.
0: Okay. Um, So that's mine. And David, Mr. Mercury. David Mercury, a former cop. I did not write down his background, which is very bad on my part, but if I remember correctly, he grew up in Isla de Oro. Which is our campaign city yes our campaign city and let's see where to start with him there was a serial killer who was well doing what serial killers do in the city and uh, black dog that's right and he discovered that the serial killer was in fact his wife i forgot about that so mine snap into tiny little little pieces (laughs) (laughs) so obviously they're not together anymore and he's raising his.
4: <laughs> <laughs> there were some relationship issues, you know. You know, my wife was chopping up Mary. <laughs> there there's,
0: there's there's are certain things counseling like just for not and the fact that your wife is a serial killer is oh, among God, them. Yeah. You wanted me to get into the business. So I just. <laughs> so, he's mm-hmm. raising his child Annie on his own. He's living at a church, mm-hmm. and he's living in kind of they have a a bunch of guys who are down on their luck who are kind of getting rehabilitated and they kind of help take care of the church and keep the grounds and all that kind of stuff.
4: Yeah, it's a program they have.
0: Yeah, so that's where he lives. But his wife was a vampire, and we haven't gotten to Chris's character yet, but she is a sister, and as far as we know, she was killed when they were intending to arrest her. Yes, yeah, she
4: had been arrested and everything else. She was being transported. That's right. This is the wife, right? Yes. Yeah. And a train. That's right. All of the fugitive. Yes, and hit the transport van. And while they never found the body, no nobody could survive it. that crash.
3: <laughs> so we're doing the fugitive thing
4: here. Okay. <laughs> Possibly. Possibly. But it was the one-armed man. <laughs> Last time you said it was the three-armed man. Which is it? He keeps cutting them off, and they regenerate. <laughs> So they grow and cut, grow and cut. So then we have a white court.
2: Well, we haven't guy. got to the cool part. He's got a gun.
0: Oh,
4: yeah. That's right. He, yeah, be, you can see what your character that's, is. That's
2: right.
0: I never got to that. At the lowest of his moments, he had a conversation with God, which he's still not sure he completely, he, well, he does believe, but he's not sure it's to the same degree as. Anyway, he is a holy champion. Ah. Uh-huh. Okay, And so he has a gun, which is, I forget the Saint, Pesetti. Adrian's Saint of Firearms. That's right. There is one.
2: Seriously? He,
0: <laughs> yes, there is. We looked it up. That rocks.
2: Saint Gabriel Pesetti.
0: Nice. So yeah, that's his weapon of choice. Weapon of God, as it were. And he is called upon occasionally to be God's enforcer. Here,
2: Champion of the that- Innocent. Did we decide that the handle was made out of the wood of the True Cross?
0: Yes, Yes, it has
4: wood grips, which are are made from the True Cross. And then inlaid into the handle and a bit of the barrel work is scrimshaw, which is actually the bones of St. Vicente. I forgot about that. It's a reliquary.
3: You got to use the line from Pulp
4: Fiction. There were so many good lines.
3: Yeah, which Which one one are you referring to? The The one from Ezekiel. The the, the, the quote-unquote Bible verse. Oh, yes. (laughs)
2: That's Kind of, from Ezekiel, yeah. Kind of. <laughs> I know. Heavily modified, but...
4: Well, well, you know, Go
2: figure Julius is not a biblical scholar. <laughs>
4: yeah. David Mercury's path is, in fact, beset on all sides.
2: Yeah. I picture David Mercury as being played by Bruce Willis. Um, Bruce Willis today. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can see that. I've been through a lot of stuff. I just want to go home to my daughter. I heard but, it. I want to go home. But no. <laughs> there's demons, and i got to take this darn gun and go shoot him go shoot him oh yeah
4: so part of that whole dark times after you found out your wife was a serial killer and a vampire is that when you left the force
0: yeah because he just couldn't bring himself to it like the fact that he as a cop couldn't we haven't really delved too much into the minutia of this but the way i've always envisioned it we went into some of it yeah the way i always envisioned it and If this has changed from what we said at the time, it may have evolved in my head. But the way I always envisioned it is that he didn't figure out that she was a serial killer. There were suspicions, and, of course, he didn't want to accept them. And people Mm -hmm. on the force kind of were like, no, man, this is the way it is. And then, of course, he found out. And the fact that she was that right under his nose and him calling himself a cop, he just couldn't live with that and remain on the force. Yep. So his job now? His job now is working for God. Working for the man.
4: Oh, no, but the way you earn your bread.
0: Oh, cab driver. Cool. That's how he makes his
4: Oh,
2: I make my, li- I'm a busker. That's my living.
4: What's a busker?
2: A <laughs> uh, guy who plays a guitar on the street. Oh,
4: okay. So you're a hippie. <laughs> He's a licensed
2: busker. Oh, okay. A licensed one.
4: All right. Isla de Oro actually has a special area. I think yeah. it's Pearl Street.
2: Yeah, the arts district.
4: Yeah. And they, they we have add a certain number of licenses.
2: To gotcha. Yeah
4: but you're not all dirty and weird. You, you got to maintain certain standards. I mean, color, yes, but let's not go yeah, crazy I'm,
2: here. I'm, I, I bathe regularly. <laughs> 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 See, I'm uh, to, so we uh, have
4: uh, those guys and we've got a white court vampire. The white court has a fairly strong presence in the city in that one of the lesser families is based here in a rich district called the heights. Cause well, it's in the hills above the city, you know? Okay. So that's what we got so far.
2: It's a city in central California. Mm -hmm. Trying to think what the history of the city is. I know it's –
4: It'll come up if it comes up. I'm not too worried about filling in the the whole background Yeah, not just like the the
2: feeling of the city. It's kind of a touristy area. You got a lot of the gentrification. It's a big struggle between the new stuff coming in, struggling against the old traditions.
4: Yeah, it was a big industrial city and then it just has basically left America. Yeah. Um, Okay. Including here. And had a brief resurgence. They keep trying to jumpstart the city, and it's just not working.
2: Oh, damn it. And the big monster presences are the vampires, the white court vampires, and then the fae have a fairly decent hold in it.
4: Yeah, there was a struggle with a rogue prince of the Winter Court who was using human agents and investing them with the powers of winter, which these guys were instrumental in putting a stop to. And there's also a summer court kind of duke-like character here, but it keeps a pretty low profile.
2: They're in charge of a network of ways through the Never Never as well.
4: Okay. Yeah, there's a central location here for that kind mm-hmm. of stuff, too.
2: A travel hub. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember
4: what were allowable as... Well,
2: well anything anything.
3: Yeah. Huh? Yeah.
4: Oh. Tell me what you want to plant and we'll find a way to make it work.
3: Because I was bouncing around a couple ideas. One I'm pretty sure wouldn't work would be a straight-up
2: goblin that would be kind of hard to do in a human world, though. Do yeah. it. They've got glamours. There are ways to do it. Simple lesser glamour power will let you pass as human. Yeah, No, I'm, Butterworm
4: is for a different world. I'll use it <laughs> else. Oh, I love Butterworm. <laughs> he's, he's awesome. I just don't know if he would really fit into a campaign the way we've got it set up, though. Who's Butterworm? Yeah. A character from, I don't remember the name of the comic, but he was a very cool goblin.
3: Yeah, Courtney Crummins.
4: Ah, oh, that was it. Thank you.
3: Here's a weird question. I don't know if it's ever been addressed in Dresden. Have there ever been things like Frankenstein's monster? Absolutely. A created being? Yes, no problem.
2: Well, it has not shown up in Dresden, but you could just easily fit it.
3: Yes. That's, I did uh, I did huh.
2: use them in a Dresden game I ran.
3: Prometheus Joe, what I'm saying. No, I'm not making Prometheus <laughs> Joe.
2: I, I, I have considered when Fate Core comes out after, since I kickstarted. I've considered adapting Bait Core to Prometheus Jones, or vice versa, I mean.
4: Yeah, if if you want to play a created being, you know, some sort of homunculus or golem or whatever, you know, invested with life essence in whatever manner you see fit, that would work just fine.
3: I like that idea. I know one of my friends would definitely give me shit because, yeah. once again, you're avoiding playing a human. He's, yeah, well, I'm sorry. Urban <laughs> fantasy, it's expected. Exactly. Yeah,
4: it's fine. Okay,
3: so yes, a created being.
4: So, what do you have in mind? Tell me what you think of when you think of this character. We're not setting anything in stone. You know, we can move stuff around. And guys, feel free to chime in with your own ideas and stuff like that as we go along. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. He is the owner of an occult bookstore. Okay. And he pretty much
3: lives there. Mm-hmm. The bookstore is ratty, kind of run down... Most people would walk past it and not even think twice. It has a lot of old overstuffed armchairs. I'm picturing green fabric from the 70s type.
1: Nice.
3: Stuffed in corners. Mm -hmm. Uh, No two chairs matched. And he does have tables and he does serve coffee, which is (laughs) god-awful. This is coffee that would strip paint.
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Ah, so good coffee. It's (laughs) strong. I mean, this is coffee, strong
3: coffee. You need a knife and a fork.
2: That is the coffee for a working man. That's what that is, sir.
3: (laughs) If you're not prepared, the coffee will grab you by the throat and bitch slap you. (laughs) But I'm picturing him. He might have been around for a very long time. He's kind of accumulated the books and stuff like that. And he's been trying to lead a quiet life. Okay. He doesn't want... Human's finding out what the hell he is. Don't want no
2: trouble in my place.
3: Exactly. He definitely <laughs> doesn't want to deal with vampires if he can avoid it. hmm Okay. Um, the Fae, he's much more neutral with them. It's along the lines of, all right, you don't fuck with my stuff. I won't fuck with you. Fair enough. <sighs> I'm picturing the grounds are like
2: a neutral ground. Mm-hmm. You could have a second accorded neutral ground in the city. Yeah,
4: that certainly would be possible, though it sounds to me like this is more by tradition, kind of, and he hasn't given any. Anybody... Maybe
2: he's trying to get it accorded.
3: I don't think he really would want it to be accorded because that would draw too much attention. Ah, okay. You know, attracts a... the weirdos. Yeah. yeah. His whole mindset is, yes, I'm selling these books to the weirdos. I accepted the... I am a weirdo. You
2: are all
0: weirdos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: Very good. Very much so. That is that
0: very good.
4: That was, that Thank was
2: you. Up. Was that Al?
0: Yeah, that
4: was yeah, me.
2: That was I, that I just assumed it was Eric.
4: <laughs> yeah, because so good with the voices. Mm. Yeah. So it sounds like this place is neutral by virtue of the fact that, well, he just hasn't given anybody any reason to cause trouble in his place.
2: Keeps his nose clean. Yeah.
3: He does have no problem picking somebody up and chucking their ass out the door if necessary.
4: There you go. Mm-hmm. It sounds to me like you're picturing Mary Shelley's Frankenstein's monster, who is erudite and philosophical and a thinker. Very much so.
3: Somebody that has seen probably both the best and the
4: worst of humanity. So what do you picture as this guy's origin, or is that something that you would prefer to keep between you and I? I'm thinking like a
3: select few know what he is, but to most intents and purposes, he just looks like a large human.
4: Okay, that works.
3: No bolts in the neck. No, it wasn't that uh-huh. type. <laughs> I, right. because I am kind of picturing him. I'm on the fence between a full blown homunculus, mm-hmm. homunculus. However,
4: homunculus. Unless you are part mink, in which case you could be a homunculus.
1: Humin-
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: or if you were part monkey, you could be a homunculus. Yes. A monkey, you little less.
4: ah.
3: My <laughs> <tongue>.
0: Okay. <laughs>
3: Never mind. Uh, I'm on the yes. fence. I'm on the fence between that and essentially something like a
4: Frankenstein's monster. I like the idea of, however, he was created. He looks like a large, maybe kind of weird looking, but people are weird looking. I mean, you ever look at people? Yeah.
1: Uh,
4: uh, <laughs> no. We are. We are <laughs>
2: what's the deal with people? You ever look at people? Yes. They're but blind geek, you felt people. <laughs> I know. I'm
0: just <laughs> being a
4: dick. <laughs> we. We are an ugly species. <laughs> we're, we're, we're chimpanzees with sneakers and no fur. I mean, and no, but, and I, no tails. I, I, it, well, the the chimpanzees don't have tails.
3: Species, females of the species are beautiful. The male of the species, <laughs> we got
2: the short end of the genetic stick. So In you know, many we're We're utilitarian. Yeah, we're like
3: glorified like sperm devices, nature. and that's about it.
4: Yeah, I find us pretty gross looking. I'm really only attracted to humans because I am one. So if you look at us objectively, we're icky. Mm. Okay.
0: So we got this occult bookstore. Tell me about the Paranet and your involvement with this. It's too bad we already have a location set up for Alistair's restaurant because it'd be perfect for him to have the restaurant located above the bookstore or vice versa or something like that. I could see the
2: bookstore near a restaurant.
0: That's true.
2: I'll tell you, this bookstore sounds like the kind of place Ezra would hang out in. Exactly. Absolutely. Mercury might even
0: spend some time in there.
2: Got Mm -hmm. those books I was ordered.
4: (sighs) No. In fact, <laughs> these guys were just doing a bunch of research, right. so I'm going to uh, use the uh, GM technique called heavy-handed authoritarianism, <laughs> or to the layman, railroading. Correct, <laughs> 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 Hear that whistle? That means railroading. <laughs> yes. I used to do that in my werewolf campaign. I would actually just make a trade whistle noise, and the players <laughs> get back on track. So I'm going to say that you guys have already been in this bookstore because uh, you were scouring all your sources of information not too long ago.
2: I'm an occult scholar. I'm fairly sure. I've probably been there a couple times, yeah.
4: Yeah, doubtless, doubtless. I need so, somewhere
2: to buy graveyard mold.
4: Yeah. It doesn't just grow on trees. boom, <laughs> Oh, my God. Uh, thank you. <laughs> so anyway, oh, yeah. tell me about the Paranet and your character's involvement or lack thereof with it. I
3: provide a safe area to do research on esoteric things. Okay. Okay. If anybody asks, basically the only way I am going to get involved in anything, mm-hmm. or, or at least initially,
4: I don't mean them to be like antisocial or anything like that. There's nothing wrong with that. Been around a couple hundred years, I'd be antisocial too. Yeah. I'm bad been, enough now. You know, his
3: whole mentality is along the lines of, Older people, older humans, fuck them. Mm -hmm. No interest in them. Anybody starts messing with kids in my neighborhood, there's going to be hell to pay.
4: Now, is that because older people, in his opinion, have kind of had their chance and they've become what they are now? Mm -hmm. And younger people are still potential. They could become good human beings. Exactly.
2: Oh, You know what? That ties to the whole uh, Frankenstein by the banks with the little girl with the flowers. Yes,
3: absolutely. I like that. Absolutely. You know, children see him more as a gentle giant than adults would see a freakish human. Okay.
1: I am so not a monster. Come... <laughs> I people am can... not an animal.
4: Yes, thank you. Monster. So people can come into your place <laughs> and do some research, and they know that in general, it's a safe place. Yeah, now, but, you know, God this... help them
3: if they spill coffee on any of these books. <laughs>
4: Because you generally keep a low profile and so you're not considered a major player or a danger to other people? Or is it because there's been some trouble in your place and those people didn't live long enough to regret it very much?
2: <laughs> no trouble in my place.
4: Yeah. A little bit of column A,
3: a little bit of column B.
4: Okay. So you're people not, know that you don't not, mess with Frank's books.
3: Right. You're not going to find advertisements. For this place. It's one of these so out of the way bookstores, you're not gonna find it unless you know it's there. Yeah. And he takes pride in his shop, Mm -hmm. and he has no problem tossing somebody across the street or chucking them into the bay Mm -hmm. if they F around.
4: (laughs) So what is most important to your character? His name is Adam. Pretty good. Mm-hmm.
3: Just just to go with a classic, almost joke.
4: That's awesome, actually, because that was, to me, that's actually one of the most important questions about a character, is their name. It actually can be used to say a lot about your character and everything else. Oh, I agree. So, so what's most important to your character? What's most
3: important to Adam? Deep psychological need mm-hmm. to prove that humans are actually good.
2: Hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: That they're worth it.
2: He's an optimist by nature.
3: I wouldn't say he's an optimist. I wouldn't say he's a pessimist. He's seen so much of the good and the bad. Mm -hmm. He would really like things to swing toward the good.
2: Uh, Nice. A cynic is just an optimist who's been hurt. Him and
0: Mercury have a lot in common, even though it (laughs) isn't anything really spelled out. But yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Except I'm not sure Mercury would be in – I don't know how – if I'm going with the verse, I'm not sure how a holy champion of God would do going into a cult – going into an occult bookstore. Are you kidding, man? Remember that
4: time you just dropped off a of fair? You were turning around to go back and <laughs> then you – Your tire blew out, and you spilled your coffee all over the place, and you'd had, like, a week of bad sleepless nights before (laughs) then, so you needed coffee, and you saw a shop with coffee? there you go. Jigurtsil.
2: Is that the name of the place?
4: Yeah. Oh, sweet.
2: (laughs) Do you you have a big, like, tree of life, like, carved and...
3: Exactly, it's not, dog- it's not named the World Tree, it's not named, you know... Everyone all the just calls it the World Tree. Yeah, everyone, it, which annoys Adam to no end. <laughs>
1: Going down to
2: the Yig. <laughs> Look at the name on the side! <laughs> <laughs> can you pronounce Y-G-G?
3: Yggdrasil. <laughs> it's not that freaking hard.
0: <laughs> David just calls it the Bookstore. Yeah, yes. <laughs> you know
3: I bookstore. can accept
1: the <laughs> Any
0: other bookstore he'll name. I'm going down to Barnes Noble. I'm going down to so and so's book, you know, books or whatever. But in that one, he's always. I'm going down to the bookstore. If he says the bookstore, yeah. that's what he's
2: calling it. The Yig
0: <laughs>
4: <laughs> And that's such a fucking California thing, too. Down
2: to the gig to hang out, coffee, Oh yeah. See if I got that copy of the uh, Canoptic Manuscripts I ordered.
4: Like, you know how you never call it Frisco? It's San Francisco or the city.
2: Mm-hmm. Sure.
4: Uh, it's it's the the same thing with um, Iso de Oro. You know, pe- some people call it the Dell. <laughs> so I could totally – yeah, and people from the city hate that. But that's such a California thing. I can completely see people who are trying to be hip or whatever calling your place the Yig. And that's just the kind of people that Ezra would be hanging out with. Yep.
2: Apparently, the type of people I'd be hanging out with.
3: Yeah, I think Adam has learned over time telling people to get the fuck out when they
0: call it the Yig is not good business. <laughs> <laughs> which, only drives, the which only drives, only encourages Ezra to do it more. That's the problem.
3: Yeah, I could I could just picture like some hipster on their cell phone is yeah I'm down here on the yig. Adam yanks the phone out of the guy's <laughs> hand, chucks it out, and goes get the fuck out.
4: <laughs> Crushes it with one hand. Yeah, you just get the fuck out right now.
2: <laughs> By the way, define children and young people. Yeah. Um,
3: his cutoff point is thirteen.
2: Okay, I look. <laughs>
4: Works. Works.
2: Once they get the age of rash uh age of reason, they're out of luck. <laughs> yeah. So like, go if ahead. someone asks for
3: help, he will help them. But the cynic in him is you know, it's like uh, once they see the monster and not the man, fuck 'em.
4: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so during the um the unpleasantness
1: man, I'm uh, a couple yeah,
4: years back. Fun. What's that? I'm- I'm dropping the F-bomb a lot. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, sure. You got That's an explicit tag. Don't worry about it.
1: Fuck no,
3: okay. it. it... <laughs> I'm trying to make sure that the that the, uh, <laughs> the foul mouth dwarven cleric does not get in on this. But...
4: <laughs> so um, during the recent unpleasantness, a couple years ago, a uh, guy calling himself the Winter Prince, he really was just a kind of outcast knucklehead from the Winter Court. But he got a bunch of human followers, like skinheads and he infused them with, you know, winter power and stuff like that and was trying to stake out the city as his own personal domain Um, in, you know, the tradition of, like, the Knight of the Long Knives, sort of going after his political enemies and everyone who'd wronged him and people he considered weak and stuff like that with his, uh, you know, human rabble. What did Adam do during all this? Lay low, board up the doors to the shop? take it to the streets with a tire iron and a chain. I mean, what was going on? The families, the families or whatever houses
3: or anything in the area where he lives with his shop, mm-hmm. they were safe. Okay. Because Adam doesn't really need to sleep. Hmm. Okay. okay. I could joking. I could jokingly say he needs to recharge from time to time. Okay. Um, but I could easily see him out there, just kind of like walking up and down the streets at night, not with a tire iron, but definitely with a chain wrapped around one of his arms, okay, so that doubles his brass knuckles, and if somebody tries to run,
4: <laughs> yeah, oh, and you know what a chain is made of metal coal. And it- Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very well be made of iron. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um where's this bookstore? We've got a couple areas. I mean, picture your typical kind of well, it's really your typical American city. It's got pretty much everything. But uh there are some older areas that are mixed residential and light industry, like the places that were built during and like World War Two. Mm-hmm. And uh, in a lot of those places, it's like the original families or stuff like that still living there, but some some commerce and retail and stuff has crept in. Uh, there's a tourist district um, on a street that leads down to the boardwalk, and then there's like the beachfront boardwalk-type place itself. There's also a lot of suburbs. So where do you picture this place being?
3: I like the older industrial area. Okay. With the mix of the old families and maybe a couple new businesses. Too right. Part of that is because he probably, even though he doesn't like older humans, the really mm-hmm. old ones, like the old geezers, quote-unquote, those he gets along with. Okay. I, I could see him, like, you know, slow days sitting out in front of his shop playing chess with maybe, like, an old old war vet.
4: Totally but, works.
3: Yeah. And I also think he would want to stay closer to, even if it's just the remnants of the old industrial things. Mm-hmm. Because i the more I think about him, the more I'm picturing him as being,
4: as being very close to like a Frankenstein's monster. So has he been here a long time then? Like since the days when Oro was a collection of, orchards with an airfield was that world war ii that would be pre-world war ii that'd be like you know like 1908 kind of i mean the city's been around for a long time you know he, was,
3: okay he hasn't gotten to the isla de oro till
4: after world war Two. okay so do you picture being in like a poorer neighborhood or um one that's a little bit more I don't know middle class?
3: I'm going to say a neighborhood that was that's on the edge. Okay. Uh, basically it was poorer, but when new mm-hmm. businesses and stuff came in, they tried gentrifying that area and it didn't it just didn't
4: get very far. Okay. So we're going to put you in let's see here
1: mm-hmm
4: i'm gonna put you in uh the commercial district okay. um it's basically it's like it's this area that's between the bay and this old um army fort uh called fort hagen that's there and it's your like kind of Uh, Some very old homes, a lot of post World War II homes, and there has been, or there have been sporadic efforts at gentrification from time to time. Most of which have fallen through. So you've got like ranch style homes and some like old colonial types, you know, like gingerbread houses and stuff. And then here and there there'll be like a pawn shop that's been closed for a year, or you know, a supermarket that's doing okay, you know, that kind of thing. Okay. So let's see. What about these guys here? What do you guys think of uh, for some connections between these characters?
2: Hmm. I've definitely bought or just casually flipped through and not bought. (laughs) (laughs) For several hours. But probably also bought. Um, he does have reading
3: space, hence the tables and chairs right. and everything.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, books here. I'm possibly also the reason for the no food rule. <laughs>
3: uh, 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 Coffee's fine. You bring that hummus shit in here one more time, I'm breaking <laughs> your arm.
0: Before me, there was no no food rule. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Um, I am also probably dedicated to trying to get him out of his shell and get him out into the greater, uh, supernatural and just community in general, mm-hmm. just to like, cause nothing worse than a grumpy person, speaking as a typically grumpy person, nothing they hate more than that chirpy bastard that comes and like, Hey, come on, let's come out. We're going. Maybe you want to meet some people.
3: This isn't another blind date ambush again, is it?
2: <laughs> it's not not a blind date ambush.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you have any idea how hard it is explaining the
2: scars? Chicks dig scars. Keep telling you.
4: <laughs> Great. So what about with David Mercury here? Blind Geek or uh Thunder, you guys got any ideas? Or heck, Josh, if you got any ideas?
2: Well, I should point <coughs> out that blank that uh David Mercury does have a small child.
4: Yes, yes. he does.
2: Oh that
0: has that has crossed my mind.
4: Um, um oh man. What if she I don't know if she would necessarily run away, but every kid does that like at some point in their lives.
0: <laughs> and she runs to the occult bookstore, yep, yeah, what if she just ended up
4: there? you know, kid on the street she's you know wandering around, she starts to get a little scared, she goes into a place that's open and doesn't look like I don't know a dive or you know a factory
2: it's got books, it must be all right. he was, he was well, I like that, they uh, look like I, really boring books, so yeah. I like well,
0: how How old is the daughter? She's what do you say, five or six. Yeah. Something like, yeah. I don't think we, yeah, five or six. We, <laughs> we put her at seven years old. Oh, seven. Okay. That's right. Okay.
3: Yeah. Then I would see what basically Adam, first off, get her in off the street and you know, where your parents you're Oh, you're running away from home. Okay. <laughs> And basically, he would set her up in a corner, the comfiest couch, give her a blanket, cup of tea, and actually pull out children's books that he has.
2: Just this kind of emergency.
3: Yeah, just this kind of emergency. And then, you know,
4: after a while, talking to her, calls her father. <laughs> but plunky it could sound like you were saying well, like, that you like the idea I of like, what?
0: Well, I like that, or, or I had a different idea, but I think I might like this one I like. I might like what you, what you guys are saying nope. better. Please go, go. Um, maybe maybe some sort of. I'll, I'll put it out there, but I am yeah. not married to this idea. It's not like, oh well, it's your character, so we'll obviously take your. Because I like what you were saying. I'm just. This was my initial thought. Maybe we can meld some mm-hmm. of it together. Mm-hmm. I thought, what if? Because uh, I, I, I I like your your idea about the cab fare, but maybe it was when he was on patrol and it happened. Because I was thinking. He finds this bookstore, and at some point, he, he confronts. You know, when they find out that his wife is the serial killer, first mm-hmm. thing he thinks is, I got to get Annie out of here. Mm-hmm. And maybe he thinks, where, where could I hide her that, that, that oh. she
2: wouldn't look? Okay. The and one so, could have led to the other. Yeah. He met him because she ran away, and then when you needed a, a safe spot during the vampire murder rampage. I was going to say, on, on the good side
3: of
0: the thing, you know, you come to pick up your daughter, and she doesn't want to leave. I actually kind of like the idea that they both are true. He met him, mm-hmm. and she met him, and they didn't know that each other knew him until he yeah. goes to take her somewhere to hide her. And oh, oh, the bookstore. Okay, what do you mean?
2: What do you mean the bookstore? You know this?
1: <laughs> or she actually pronounces it right?
2: Oh, you. Yeah, yeah. How do you say yeah, it? she can pronounce "igreccil" too. Igreccil has problems with spaghetti, but- <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
4: No problems with igreccil. Yeah. <laughs>
2: well, why do you use that word?
4: Well, he was reading stories. <laughs> uh, 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 why
2: did he, he did uh, quite obviously Yigrisil, Dad? Yeah, oh, God. exactly. Yeah,
3: I could see him doing like a children's story time. It is <laughs>
0: especially the way we've, uh,
2: especially <laughs> the way adorable. Alice made
0: her very kind of precocious, and 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 uh, it, that that fits quite nicely, I think. Mm-hmm. With mm-hmm. the way you've been characterizing her so far.
2: Frankenstein, the children's story hour is adorable. <laughs> I love that idea.
3: I'm, yeah, I could definitely see him do that as like a community thing.
4: Yeah, and that works. Okay, so do you um, – she's part of your character, Blake, so I want to give you final authority on this. Do you like the idea that she came in there when she ran away or that maybe because at the Gomez house, which is where Ezra crashes – um, there's a lot of paranetters, so there could be somebody who knew somebody. And you know how Mrs. McBill, who runs the place, is always organizing activities for like the single mothers and a lot of their other kids and stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. That maybe they went there for storyteller. How mm, I like I like the runaway thing better. Okay, uh, and I like the fact that they both found him and didn't know it. <laughs> yeah, that absolutely works. So I'm going to and
4: use And that's the my,
2: will of God there. That's Charlie. right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I
4: hadn't thought of it, but yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I'm going to use my um, massive GM powers here to say that this was during the time of the Winter Prince. And unbeknownst to <laughs> Annie, she was being followed by two of the Winter Prince's soldiers. ooh. Hmm. So then, Adam, you saw this. You knew who these guys were, not specifically, but you knew what was going on. Everyone in the supernatural community did. And you knew these were some of the Winter Prince's knuckleheads. Well, they should know better to stay the hell out of my neighborhood. And they were following this little girl. So what happened? Um,
3: the little girl seems lost. Adam comes out talks to her for a little bit, find it's, Oh, you're running away. Mm-hmm. Do you have food? Do you have just ask her about all this stuff? And he's like, well, I'm having children's story time in my shop. Now, why don't you come on in rest? Mm-hmm. Is it, and, and I'll be right back. Don't worry. Talk to some of the moms and stuff there. You'll be fine. <laughs> Closes the door, mm-hmm. picks up his chain. And, <laughs> and, and subtlety is not in his nature. Just walks right up to the two of them and goes,
4: the hell are you doing? I was really picturing, this is only a suggestion, but especially he goes walking up. One of them starts to say something and mm-hmm. Adam just clocks the guy in the <laughs> jaw with his chain covered fist. Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> just don't, don't even
3: give him a chance to talk. Just <laughs> <laughs> then looks at the other guy and is like, pick up your friend. And stay the hell out of my neighborhood.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Works. I actually so, had a thought about their relationship. Mm-hmm. Which is, all this stuff happened. Her mom's serial killer. Yeah. What, she may not even realize what that means. Or at least not the same way an adult knows what it means. She just mm-hmm. knows mom got sick. Yeah. And had to leave. More mm-hmm. and, and and was killed. I don't even know. what We haven't really discussed exactly what she knows. But I love the idea, actually, that... And this may even be unbeknownst to David. Fine with me. Not that he would have a problem with it. It's just not something he He doesn't know. He doesn't know. She and Adam have Mm -hmm. a kind of a confidant relationship where she, Ah. I don't want to say he's her therapist because that sounds so new agey
1: and crap. But but,
0: he's someone she can talk
4: to.
1: Yeah.
2: He's her friend.
4: Yeah. 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 Ah, oh, I really like that idea. <laughs> what do you think, Thunder? I
3: like that. I like okay. that a lot. So the daughter's oh. name is Anna, daughter of David. Uh, Annie, I think. Annie.
2: Man, tell you what, you know what? Yep. I really want to skip forward at some point six years and see what happens when she does become uh, oh, a teenager slash adult. Oh,
4: a great s- idea for a side story.
2: And see what happens to their – relationship it's like oh i hate adults but now you're becoming one but you've been so nice so she's got to turn through she's gonna change she's gonna become stupid like the rest of the humans oh it always happens see al thinks of this think and straight. says
0: that'd make a great side story blind geek thinks of this and says boy if i was running this this is magic man anything can happen oh yeah she gets stuck with some spell that catapults her forward by six years anyway uh, I-, I don't know that could Picturing be Adam.
3: It's not so much that he hates adult. Well, there is a little bit of the hating the adults and stuff there, but a lot of that stems from the simple fact that he's been hurt and burned so many times. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's when the kids turn into teenagers, it, he stops being their giant friend, a nice comp, you know, someone they could talk to, to that
2: big ugly guy that runs the bookstore. Jackie paper game no more. I'm curious Mm to see what happens when she does start to get older and how that relationship and friendship pans out. It would be an interesting story. Maybe she'll prove him wrong. Maybe she'll just confirm everything he already knows. But what would
0: be interesting is if he was that much of her confidant, I can't picture her turning away from him, but he might turn away from her going, you're just going to be.
2: Yeah, exactly like that. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> the broken girlfriend syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> I make friends. They're just going to leave you.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Interesting thing to think of. Mm. Yeah.
4: All right. I'm liking this. Yeah. One yeah. more really important question here. Yeah, I really yeah. like Quag's Wuppetum. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be necessarily, but if you were trying to describe Adam by comparing him to like an actor or a celebrity, who would you say? ah uh, He kind of looks like... Bing Rhames. Oh, oh, wow. Oh, oh that's great. Uh, 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 I know who Andy's would be. remember the name as a big, weird-looking dude, but I don't remember exactly what he was. He wasn't the guy who played Jaws, was he? Oh, no, that's... Well, that's Richard Keel.
2: No. Ving okay, Rhames thanks. is the big, black guy. Ah, he played Marcelo.: He wakes up. Well, next time he sees the big, black motherfucker, get out of his way.
1: Okay.
2: Well, that's, hey, from, nice. uh, that's from Give Him Hell Malone. Which is an excellent modern bar movie. He's in all the
0: Mission Impossible movies. Was he Marcellus Wallace in Pulse yes. Fiction?
4: Yeah. Gotcha. Oh, that's great. And uh, Annie is nice Mara to have Wilson him. just like a total white bread game too. I mean, white people are okay, but you know
2: yeah, deal with them.
1: They're
4: they're, <laughs> they're a fact of life. Yeah. But <laughs> Okay, very, very it's cool. At least the head's all one color. That's
2: true. Yeah, he could be.
4: <laughs> Split right down the middle. <laughs> but, but you know, agricultural workers sometimes get this splotchiness.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh,
4: I've seen people who have to, like, work the fields by hand, largely illegal immigrants, but you sometimes get a splotchiness on these dudes. and. Uh, it may be a result of exposure to some chemicals. Yeah, as long as people so, don't too closely and see the stitching. Yeah, and <laughs> oh, even okay. if they did, you know what people are immediately going to go, unholy abomination. No, yeah. they'd be like, oh man, what happened to that dude? <laughs> I forgot
2: he played Cobra Bubbles in Lilo and Stitch. Yes, he did. Yeah.
4: Oh, I love that name. <laughs> yes, awesome. to, to some questions. When little kids ask you how many people you've killed, you can just say, we're getting off the subject. (laughs) (laughs) Convinced an alien empire that mosquitoes were an endangered species. (laughs) (laughs) And feel free to use that voice. That's great. (laughs) Okay, so um, I think we've got pretty much everything solved there. I've been having such a good time that I haven't been keeping track of time at all.
0: Actually, it's about three minutes to cutoff time, so... Yeah, I the state 30, that works perfectly. Good. Yeah.
4: So my job here is going to be looking through the books and seeing what I can use to make this type of character work. I'd appreciate it, Thunder, if you were to look through the books also mm-hmm. and see what you could find, mostly in the, your story. Gotcha. Uh, see what you can find. That's a close match and feel free also to pick and choose from different areas. There's a whole list of powers and stuff in the back, too, that'll work for me. But I'll see if we can find a template or something, and I'm sure there's loads of adjustments we can make for it that'll okay. work just fine. In fact, feel free to start making up your character. I mean, we've got connections, we've got a backstory. The you know, like only connection got stuff we don't have with, is, with Logan Shaw. Yes, but we can work something in with that. Right. And I think we're good, man. Awesome. All right, guys. <laughs> Catch <laughs> out <All> right. Adios. Micro. <laughs> 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 uh,
0: I can take it easy. And there you have it. Now we are ready for the next Dresden Files session where we are introduced to Adam. I think you'll like it. It should be coming fairly hot on the heels of this issue. I have had help from Bambi of Porcelain Llama Theater, check the podcast out, you won't regret it, in editing, so I don't expect there to be much time between this and the next issue. So... In the meantime, if you want to give us feedback, we would love to hear it. Just like us on Facebook and uh, leave a comment, and we'll respond. Or you can send feedback directly to feedback at mtmjetpack.com. So until next time, this is Blind Geek. Thanking you for listening and reminding you that your imagination is just like a jetpack. You've got to keep it fired up. And always... Let it soar.